You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Episode number 202 of the GGTMC. A little intro music there provided from the uh, Pray for Death soundtrack. From the Ninja Songbird herself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Back to the shadow. shadow. <laughs> so, rock and rolling this morning. Very James Bond-esque opening. <laughs> All right. Um, so this week we had planned on possibly talking to Thomas Jane. So that's kind of gotten postponed. We're trying to kind of buckle down a time, like put it in concrete going forward so that way we don't have to do this. But so yesterday uh, I had to work. Uh, Will had to work. Will's not feeling well. We got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And uh, thankfully to the, the gods at Netflix Instant, uh, we were able to throw uh, something together real quick. So we're only going to be doing one film this week and some feedback. So we're going to be doubling up on feedback this month. Uh, which is probably good because we got a lot of feedback still to get back caught up with. <laughs> um, so this week we're just doing uh, Pray for Death, 1985, directed by one Gordon Hessler, who who's now has two films on the GGTMC. <laughs> more than more than Kubrick. <laughs> well, that's uh, hopefully that'll be ratified soon. <laughs> it will be, but even still, <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, for those of you who don't, well, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about Hessler later. Anyway, um, so let's that's, talk about Hess, baby. <laughs> that's the game plan for this week. Uh, I'm completely in. I, I went to. I'll just give you a heads up. I went to bed at like three, and got Ooh. up, and got up at four fifty. So that's how much sleep I've had, and uh, I can feel it. Nice <laughs> in the you bottoms can't. of my feet. Yeah, no doubt. Are you uh, are you on the coffee train or no? Uh, the coffee's brewing, but I wanted to get the intro in done first, and then we we'll wanted to get back to the shadows. <laughs> yeah. It's brewing right now, but I had to open up my iron mask to uh, to drink it <laughs> through my through my net stocking yeah. that I'm wearing on my face. Your chiffon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's uh, let's get into what we've been uh, watching. Um, all right, so I had a week where I started a lot of shit but didn't get to finish it, so I won't mention that stuff that I started because I'm going to finish it this week. Um, started off the week with going to see Paranorman with the wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, with William being in school, we haven't get, had to, got to spend as much quality time with him as we'd like, so we wanted to kind of, you know, want to make a point to really 
you know, have nice uh, like uh, Sundays with them when we're both together, and my wife and I, and we can do stuff with both the boys. Um, so we went to see Paranorman, and it was quite good. Um, it's not going to be end of the year material for me, but you know, um, children's films aren't. I mean, the thing I have learned about kids' films, having watched a lot more recently, is one of the reasons Pixar gets praised so much is because they're at the very least palatable. Um, I, I don't, I don't love their films, but I really like them, and I think they're they're never insulting or or um, to children or adults. And and same with this. I mean, you can tell this is made with love. Um, my sons are three and a half and one and a half, for those that don't know. Almost four and two, actually. Neither one of them were scared uh, at anything in the film. Um, they're both popcorn machines, so they just sat there and just <laughs> watched the movie. They loved it. So, yeah, it was, it was very, very good, though. For what it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was sort of like a like an Amblin, very much an early 80s meets rock Norman Rockwell kind of aesthetic. It, quite nice to look at. Um, then we, then I watched the Avenging Quartet, which is a Yukario Shima Moon Lee joint. Uh, not the greatest; it's very average. Uh, it takes too long to kind of get going. They certainly had some better efforts, uh, I've, which a few of which I've seen, and I'll be revisiting in the next few weeks. Um, then I stayed with Tough Chicks. However, I went stateside and watched Haywire on Netflix Instant with the wife. Yeah, it's actually her choice. Chrono looks great. Uh, the fight scenes in the film are great. They're, they feel brutal. They don't feel overly choreographed. Um, it has a fun cast. And I think Chrono quits herself pretty well considering, you know, the the um, the cast she's she's lumped in with, you know, some of the yeah. actors she's yeah. lumped in with. That was probably what I was most impressed with is that she held her own in the scenes with, you know, you consider some of the actors she's with. Well, she's with some real heavyweights. Um, what about uh, Banderas's facial hair, dude? Fucking fantastic! <laughs> it's fucking insane. <laughs> it is really great. And see, that's the thing, man. We've said it before, but Soderbergh, I really feel like he actively tries to challenge himself. I mean, in two of his most recent films, he went from using a porn star to using an like a female porn star to using a female MMA fighter as his leads. Yeah. So I have to think there's really something there. Um, in that regard for him challenging himself. And also he does that with techniques and stuff too, but a good film. It does feel a bit disjointed to me though. Yeah. Uh, it feels a bit, it feels like one of like Soderbergh's like rush jobs where he puts something together really quick and stuff. Uh, I agree with that. I dug it. I just, it, it does, it, it doesn't feel perfect. Right. So no. And the score for the, the two things I would say shot really well, but the score for the film's amazing. It's probably my favorite score I've heard all year, but Mike Malloy was telling me there was some shenanigans where the, the guy who um, scored it lifted almost exactly one of the pieces of music from, I want to say, a Japanese band. I could be wrong. It's early and I'm not caffeinated, but uh, that's a bit of a bummer. But the score is tremendous in the film. Yeah. So uh, then I watched Black Ice, which, uh, <laughs> which is uh, pretty the, average. but yeah, it, Subtle title. Yeah, subtle title. It's Joanne Pecula getting naked constantly. Well, there we it's go. It's Michael Ironside, Ironsiding it up. But he's, not, but he's not getting naked constantly. Sadly, no. Oh, man. Um, and my and um, <laughs> and the return of Michael Nuri into my life. Michael Nuri? I'm tired. Is it Michael Nuri? Yeah, Michael Nuri, I believe, yeah. 
with the most ridiculous hair you've ever seen. It's long and thick. And he plays a cab driver who ends up with a CIA agent, Pecula, Pecula, who is getting stalked by Ironside, of course. (laughs) It's filmed in fucking Winnipeg, Manitoba. Nice. (laughs) Trying to pass it off as Chicago and Minnesota. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's average. It's it's not pacey enough, but it has some moments. Ironside's great, as always. Uh, Scooby-Doo Pirates Ahoy. Family movie night. Uh, me and my wife love Scooby-Doo. And William does, too. So, and Braden seems to like it. So, um, it's okay. You know, nothing great. Uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, if you love Scooby-Doo, you know what you're getting for, right? Casey Kasem, he's still alive, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not. Well, this actually was 2006, so he was he was still voicing Shaggy then. Hmm, no. Pretty impressive. His daughter's I, there's, quite. There's probably so much Casey Kasem doing Shaggy that they could probably put piece together like new pieces with it. <coughs> yeah, I'm sure they could actually. Um, yeah. So that's why I actually watched start to finish. There's a few things I had started but didn't get to finish. Okay. Like fighting Madam Rock and Roll Cop and Wasteland, but I'll get to those next week. Nice, nice. All right, I only watched one other film other than the one for the show. I've been watching, like I said, you know, I tore through uh, Doctor Who season three. I'm trying to get all caught up on my Who. I didn't know whether I'd like the reboot because I kind of like the campiness of the original Doctor Who. So, uh, well, not the original, but the one I grew up on. Let's put it that way. You know what I'm saying? You kind of yep. you have an affection for the one you grew up on, and that mine was Tom Baker with his magnificent scarf. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I've kind of been going through those and stuff. Season three, very good, very, very, very good. One episode with Carrie Mulligan, who I've come to discover, I just you know I'm, I'm maybe just in love with Carrie Mulligan. So you're more in the Mulligan camp than the Michelle Williams camp. No, I, I, they, they they remind me a lot of each other though. Yeah, I mean very much so, especially with the pixie haircuts and the uh, the tears. Uh, they both have a similar acting style. Uh, I think Michelle Williams does more interesting things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now especially, but uh, I like Mulligan a lot too. But either way, it's just good to see a couple of actresses throwing down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I watched uh, Lockout, the uh, <coughs> the Guy Pierce sci-fi action classic. Actually, I don't know if it's classic or not, but anyway, um, can't really think of the directors off the top of my head. It was a couple directors, but uh, Luke Besson is attached to this thing. This thing kind of got ragged by a few people and stuff. I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's great, but I think it's totally serviceable for what it is. And uh, really ridiculous in a lot of ways, and, and and I think if you get in that mood with it, I think it it it's very pleasant and very entertaining and quite breezy. Uh, Guy Pierce is wonderful as always. Uh, he could be in shit and probably be great. Oh yeah, because uh, he's Absolutely. that kind of actor. Uh, Maggie Grace, on the other hand, the girl that played Boone's sister in Lost. I was just gonna say, I think that's kind of what her dramatic plateau was probably going to be his boon sister oh my god she's brutal in this film yeah <laughs> i haven't she played the daughter in taken and she is so fucking brutal and taken that I'd, I'd, I'd take a whole point i'd taken a whole point off taken does she play a part like a, a pierce's partner or what's her she plays the president's daughter 
Oh fuck! Who gets a uh, uh, kind of a kidnapped. yeah kidnapped? It's it's basically a riff on Escape from New York in a lot of ways. Prison Planet or Prison Station? President's daughter kidnapped. Everybody's from everybody. Everybody in the film is not American, but they try to sell it like it's an American film. It's one of those kind of films, you know. That's like fucking Batman. Yeah, I Batman, I think, is what Welsh. Bane. I mean, every film is fucking pure non-Americans uh, in Batman. It's been, even the director is fantastic. I know, I know. So it's pretty great. But uh, it's got Peter Stormare in it doing his usual thing. And Who's what, Danish? Uh, uh, Swedish? I think, I think he's Czechoslovakian, isn't he? No, maybe, maybe he is Swedish. Swedish. Maybe he is. In parts unknown? Yeah. I'd have to look him up. But I'm, I'm very curious now, and I will look him up when we go to break. Um, but it's it's a fun movie. It's not uh, it's nothing I would rush out to buy or rush out to see. But for me, like if it comes in the mail, like they do with Netflix, uh, pretty good, pretty fun, pretty fun. And, you know, I had the surround sound pumping. It was on Blu-ray. Looked great, as all new films do on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, so most, yeah. I'd give it like a six to six point <clears throat> five. Six point five would be the ceiling on it for me, but. Pretty good, cool. but pretty fun. But I, I, part of me just loves the idea of Guy Pierce doing an action film because this is something like this is definitely something he would never do. This is, this seems like something he would not do. And in all reality, he's actually pretty good at it. And I hope he does it more. Uh, oh, yeah. His character is a ridiculous kind of caricature of action heroes from the eighties and nineties because almost every single line he says is a one liner. Um, but there's kind of a reason to it. Which is bizarre. So anyway, you got to see the film to know. So when you check it out, or if you do, let me know. And I will for sure. It's I, that's when I can easily trick my wife into picking on her night. Yeah, the sci-fi thing angle might be hard to sell, but other than that, yeah, it's not too sci-fi outside of the space station. That's the good news. It's mostly it's mostly badass dudes with tattoos and scars. <laughs> <laughs> is Edward James almost there? No, he's not. Sadly, on the space too. But Loaf is no. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh, so that's uh, all we've watched uh we're gonna take a short break come back and do some pray for death 1985 uh we'll be back right after this did you know that asian people prefer being called orientals did you know that ching chong ting tong is a respectful salutation in all asian cultures did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in orientals no? Well, then you should listen to Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarchus, will cover two Asian films that can range from the obscure to the notorious, from a Sonny Chiba werewolf film to a splattergore atrocity, from Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website, podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Or you can just search Podcast Without Honored Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honored Humanity a shot and get cultured.
Big ups go to our main man, Greg, at the Wax Mask, who is going to be sending us an attack. I'm losing my voice on air here. Ooh. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Sexy time. Why do I think I saw him when I did that? Mm, yes. That's something he'd do on the air. Uh, he usually, um, they only do it during breaks. Yeah, that's right. Over, over, <laughs> over promos and shit. But, uh, yeah, good friend Greg... Um, was kind enough he's going to be dropping some metallo disco on us every week a track of the week so that was of course kano with queen of the witches which is a great video because kano sings to a fucking mannequin well, yeah. <clears throat> so there you but go of course you know i can think of no other song in my life that more sums up pray for death i would agree than queen of the witches <laughs> i think that would show on, on the background vocals the music this week is fucking phenomenal yeah <laughs> bonerific <laughs> All right, so pray for death. Netflix instant watch, quick quick hit. We had recently talked about Shokasugi not being on the show much. We kind of talked about him a little bit with uh, was it Ninja he was in or was it uh, Ninja Assassin he was in? I can't remember. It was one of those two. It was the Adkins joint, which is Ninja. Yes. Oh, I can't remember. I it was Ninja. I think it was Ninja. Yeah. Either way, we kind of briefly talked about him. We've talked about Shokasugi quite a bit because in the eighties. Shokasugi, for me, he was like the Asian Charles Bronson. <laughs> totally, man. I was even going to say that in my notes. Totally. And it's ironic because alongside Bronson, Cannon was the house that he built. Yes. Yes. So if you were growing up in the 80s, you know who Shokasugi is. Uh, yeah. If you don't, you probably still do and don't even realize it. So uh, look him up. Now, we know he does have three films that we're going to cover at one point as part of a trilogy, GGTMC. But uh, we decided to go a different route and do a little Pray for Death, which every alternate cover and every cover of Pray for Death is awesome. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, okay, so the... And, well, you got something? I was going to say, it had to be the visual inspiration for Shredder of Ninja Turtles fame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the plot synopsis is After a peace-loving Japanese immigrant And his family become victims of a crime syndicate A master ninja emerges So, <laughs> there we go So, like I said, if you grew up in the 80s First of all, awesome Second of all, yeah, ninja culture was huge <laughs> Oh man, ninjas were everywhere Ninjas were more pervasive than pirate culture is nowadays yeah. Ninjas were at Horrorhound <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Absolutely. She, she knows who she is. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but ninjas, yeah, they were huge. And show is a big part of our child childhoods. It'd just be um, silhouettes in Indy. It'd be silhouettes on the rooftops. And all of a sudden, I'd have more pulled pork on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's wicked. <laughs> it was. 
All right, so um, I don't know if uh, you had seen this before. Oh, yeah, fuck. Okay, uh, I had as well, uh, but it had been years. Uh, oh, so. yeah, it's probably been over 20, 25 years, man. And this is one of those ones that I rented strictly because the cover rocked. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see what you got to say on the revisit here. Okay, so I don't know if you'd mention this. Uh, Gordon Hessler, the auteur, making his second appearance on our on our show. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard to top his first film. Yeah, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the way it goes. Well, uh, he's yeah. been working since the 60s. By the, uh, by the way, Peter Stormare, Sweden, you were correct. Ah, uh, okay. So this film's on instant, if anyone wants to play along. Now, this one was originally rated X. When it came out, Jesus, there was like more deaths I think on screen than than anyone had seen. I think there was like a hundred deaths or eighty five deaths or something. <clears throat> they had to tame it down. They had to cut out a rape scene and some child beatings and stuff. So you know they had to tame it down a little bit. Hester was over the top. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'd mention man, the ninja fad in the eighties was everywhere. <clears throat> now I'm surprised the fucking WWF didn't have a ninja wrestler in the eighties. I mean, they had Ricky the Dragon, but he was just more generally Japanese than he was yeah. a ninja. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Shokasugi, man, big part of my childhood, big part of your childhood, big part of anyone who grew up in the 80s childhood, as we said. He didn't do a ton of films. It was Ninja Assassin, by the way. Um, okay. okay. Um, but, uh, you know, he definitely, the films he did, you know, the, I don't know, six to ten films he did, all ninja films, um, were really a big part of all of our childhoods. And also, lest we forget Ninja Theater. Yes. Which was pretty fantastic. So, um, I love the, uh, I love that in Bronson fashion, uh, show plays, and this is even in the, like the, the description, an unassuming restaurateur. That sounds like something Bronson would play, man. Like they got these <laughs> real milk toast professions. I'm yeah. assuming restaurateur. And uh, he, show does, w- he doesn't want to be violent. No, he's leaving it in the past. In he's the shadows. <laughs> he's a reluctant ninja. He's <laughs> a reluctant ninja. <laughs> um, but uh, it's what's cool about Show is that Show always cast his boy as Shane and Kane in his films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that great? You know, us having sons now, like. You imagine being show and then being able to say, listen, my son, much like much like Bronson did with his wife, show did with his sons. Yeah, and uh, Kane, uh, Kane, I know he's uh, still working quite a bit. I don't think Shane is much, but no, Kane, uh, he's he's in quite a bit of shit. Oh, yeah. And Kane, actually, Kane and, and show had a really bad falling out, though. Oh, yeah. Really bad. Like, they were not on speaking terms for quite some time because Kane had stole some of his dad's... Uh, crew and he branched off and did, I think he did a show where he did something where he kind of took some of dad's people um, they were on really bad terms like it, it show called out his son on Japanese TV he's like my son's a coward Ooh. or something like it got really nasty and it's sad to hear you know I think they'd since, they've since reconciled but I know they had a, a, some problems that you know uh, well, I've always wanted to see a film he starred in called Muscle Heat Muscle Heat sounds as GGTMC as it gets. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. So 2002 release, Muscle Heat. Muscle Heat. Yeah, we got to get into it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, show's cool, man. He's he's actually headlined, which I think was his big his big uh, 
ninja debut anyway, Enter the Ninja, with our boy Franco Nero. So mm-hmm. who, who, as great as he is, is not really fit for ninja, a ninja life. But, you know, <laughs> that's the way it goes. They were ninja partners. And- well, we'll talk more about this whenever we do uh, that film. But the thing about Franco Nero <laughs> is uh, he's the most, uh, un- well, not unassuming, I should say, but the most clearly defined ninja because his eyes are so... Franco Nero's eyes are some of his most uh, his most striking endearing, feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably his most striking feature. He's like he's got like these Jeff Fahey eyes, or like if the Wolf Goblin King uh, Johnny Halliday was a ninja, yeah, you would know immediately, right? You would know, fucking Johnny, ninja it up again. Um, yeah. So Show had some good team ups, though, man. Another fun one he did uh, Nine Deaths of the Ninja. I really like because it's got Brent Huff of. of Strike Commando Two and uh, Born to Fight, uh, Bruno Mattei fame. So, Indeed. anyway, we'll get it, we'll get into all those. I'm thinking now that we got the the train rolling here. He's one of the few people that? we know that he worked in the Godfather Part Two and the Bad News Bears Goes to Japan, which I didn't know until I looked at IMDb today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, show has some a good trivia question uh, credits. Um, this has that that opening that was so prevalent in the '70s to the mid '80s where. They'll have like a colored backdrop, be it white, red, etc. The Dirty Harry movies did it, you said, but honestly, you have like Jackie Chan. I think it's Snake and Eagle's Shadow, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Where they just have basically like the, the hero doing like his kung fu or his karate. Or in this case, it would be karate and you know, more Japanese arts. Um, on the screen is the credits play. So, yes. You know, that, that was a big sort of technique in the 80s. And it has that like awesome laser smoke thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was badass. And this is pray for death. <laughs> One of those in the house. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, produced by the two Moshis, Moshi Barkat and Moshi Diamant. <laughs> we forget, man, MGM, because uh, this is actually, I think I'd said canon. In, wait. Oh, this was later on. That's right. I'm sorry. MGM had a few late cycle ninja films. And then, of course, all of his early stuff was canon. Um one thing I want to say right off the hop, you know, we have hot licks and and this and that. Um, there's some fiery flute work early on. You know, anytime you have a, a ninja film, you have to get some some flute work in. <laughs> That's right, man. I like that you say fiery flute work. Because <laughs> I was trying to think of alliteration for it, but there's uh-huh. some fiery flutes up in this piece early on. So, and the film doesn't waste time. I mean, it's slow to get towards shows revenge stuff, but they give us just a little uh, little sample early on of ninja star actually two times yeah so nice they did it twice two ninja stars and two separate uh goons eyes (laughs) yeah so it's nice to see the ninja star alive and well because you and i always talk about that as kids like it was kind of a holy grail item to have was a ninja star yes you had to have the ninja star yeah what always killed me about ninjas was i always thought to myself these guys should be playing basketball because they got seriously high vertical leaps man they do, man. They got hops. Show, show, show Kazuki's got hops, yo. He does. He definitely does. I, uh, I used to. I, I've told you this, uh, but I'll say it again in case I haven't said it on the air, which I may have said on the air. When I was a kid, being obsessed with ninjas, I used to think when they throw the smoke bomb, I didn't realize it was a distraction, so they could sneak away. <laughs> I always thought smoke bombs were magic. Yeah. And when they throw it, they would teleport somewhere else. <laughs> Being five, you know, I guess it didn't quite work out the nuts and bolts of smoke bombs, but, no, but that, you know, I mean, you know that that sounds like though like a five year old's perception of Logic. a smoke bomb, yeah, yeah, teleportation device. I gotta say though, the smoke bombs on this one pretty pretty weak. 
They're pretty weak because they're, they're like see-through and they're red, I think. <laughs> they look uh, like those poppers you buy around July 4th. <laughs> God, they're terrible. What's funny is um, with the smoke bombs, I always wanted people to buy them. I always wanted my parents to buy me smoke bombs. I never could convince them to for obvious reasons. Often uh, you know, because they used to have Ninja Magazine. Yeah. Fucking loved it. I often wonder how much damage I may have done to my lungs growing up running through fireworks smoke bombs because I thought oh, it was man. a ninja. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah, the red the red smoke bomb in this is weak sauce for sure. Um, ninjas were some of the first guys to prove that good guys can wear black. Yes. And then camouflage in red and white with headbands. Yeah, once Godfrey Ho got a hold of them. Fucking Ho got up in that piece. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so this film actually it has a bit of a meta feel to it because by this time the show had been big. He did the Ninja Trilogy, which we adore, did a few other things, but he had broken off from Ken and they had a falling out on Ninja 3. Um, much ironically, like, uh, like, uh, Winner and Bronson had on what, Death, Death Wish 3? So, third one was, uh, I want to push it over the edge. But it has a very meta moment early on when his kids are watching clearly footage from one of his films. Yeah. As it's sort of a TV show, which is kind of nice to see that awareness of that meta moment. Um, and what's rad is they're, they're going to sit down and have breakfast or lunch or dinner. I don't know what it is. And in the background, they had this Shokusugi ninja poster up where he's in midair doing a kick. Yes. And it's against a black backdrop. I had that poster. Nice. Yeah, fuck, I wish I still had it. But this probably ripped to shit somewhere. Um, and wouldn't it have been cool to see, even Puffy Face, but to see a Bronson Shokusugi team up? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That would have been awesome. I mean, we got to see... He worked with... with uh, and Bronson and DeLone. Yeah, but. He worked with uh, Van Cleef on that Master TV show. I don't yeah. know if you ever saw any of it. I grew up, I watched a little bit of it. But yeah, I've seen a little bit. I didn't, at the time, I didn't really, you know, at the time it wasn't, you know... Lee Van Cleef was popular for what he was, but it wasn't the this kind of holy grail moment of me thinking, "Oh man, that's Shokasugi and Lee Van Cleef together." No, no, <laughs> certainly not. You know that that came that's come much later in my life. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, <laughs> um, I never knew, I never knew this. Lee Van Cleef's real name is Clarence Leroy Van Cleef. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, show we we haven't talked about it yet. Um, show has amazing hair. He has very feathered hair. He it's gorgeous. Yeah, he might top Chow Yun Fat for the best feathered hair. <laughs> His kids have great hair too. They do. Everybody yeah. in this film has great hair except Michael Constantine, the guy that plays the heavy. Yeah, he has awful hair, man. He's the, the heavies are always just pockmarked, awful. Um, I have some comments about the heavies. By the way, the guy that played Limehouse, he wrote this film. Oh, nice. Writing himself in. Yeah, that might be able to explain why he got the party got. Yeah, he got old James Booth. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we get a red wine ninja who's pretty inept with a sword. The one thing I always gripe about, I know Kasugi did a lot of the choreography with this, but um, the big problem with a lot of uh, American martial arts films is... You know, they have the, the on-screen talent, you know, with Kasugi and stuff, but... And this, I guess, goes against my argument because Sho did the choreography, but a lot of times the choreography and the, the way it's shot is shot by Americans who didn't understand the way to, to properly shoot that stuff. They should have got, you know, a technical advisor or someone over from uh, 
from Japan or, or China or Hong Kong to be, uh, you know, alongside the people working on the film and say, no, no, you need to shoot it this way. You know, it would have been substantially better. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, there's a lot of slow-mo backflips in this film. There's a lot of slow-mo in general. There's a lot of slow-mo water throwing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's forever. There's a lot of use of slow-mo in this. Uh, I mean, it looks good. It, it's ridiculous, but it looks good. Yeah. This show loves that one flip, like the, the knife kind of rotating flip. He loves that shit. Oh, yeah, he loves it. Um, I'm curious. What else? Something else that show loves. I'm curious why he feels the need to rock blush and eyeliner when he's with his master. You notice that, man? He's rocking a little bit of eyeliner and a little bit of blush. He's always rocking the eyeliner, man. Yeah. I don't know why he does that. I mean, uh, obviously, <laughs> I mean, I know this sounds awful to say, but this is the truth, man. It does make your eyes pop more. Yeah. To have eyeliner on. And let me let me also say, man, the film doesn't do Kasugi any favors with dialogue because he, he that was his choice. He wanted to get more um yeah. more kind of dramatic chops, and that's one of the reasons he left Canon, because he felt like after Ninja Three, which we know was amazing, but Joe <laughs> didn't seem to think so. He wanted to do something where he could stretch his legs uh, dramatically, which is why MGM said, Okay, well you can <clears throat> you can write the script and do the choreography or, yeah. or have a hand in writing the script anyway. The choreography's fine, except for the fact at the beginning in that uh kind of full movie that the kids are watching uh those great ninjas they don't like to move they just no, like to stand there <laughs> but uh the uh the other parts of it are, are fine but the uh some of the dialogue is really rough and oh yeah it's it's it would be easy to make fun of because there are moments in this that are like stereotype making fun of right when he says necklace oh my lord yeah because he doesn't say he doesn't say necklace he says he says sadly he says necros yeah no not no way around that though i don't think yeah. you know that's just the, the the accent nothing we can do about that i mean they couldn't change it to say like you know diamond choker or something so <laughs> that would have been awesome you know. though yeah i don't but, know you know no diamond choker yeah just the way it goes you know show couldn't uh i mean it's it's, he, it's, it's a noble <clears throat> effort for a show but i think you know i didn't i didn't know that he was that involved with wanting to get more dialogue Oh, yeah. um, but now that I know that, I mean, it's a noble effort, but just it, it kind of hurt. It it helped. Maybe it helped him, but I think it kind of hurts what I see Shokasugi as. I see him as man of few words. Well, that's part of the problems with this film is it. it you know, and Jay had pointed out on our on our group that this isn't show's greatest effort. But <laughs> yeah. and we knew that. I mean, we've seen all of his films. We knew it was lesser show, but there's reasons we picked this one first because it was instant. It was quick for us. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we and know. also we're saving the trilogy and I wouldn't mind, you know, doing um nine deaths with, you know, a Bruno Mattei film maybe because it has the the Brent Huff connection. So yeah, it's just, Brent Huff's never been on the show. No, it's amazing. You know, and we'll get to Black Eagle and you know, we'll get to all those. Mm. So looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost almost spit my coffee because I didn't know we get to Black Eagle. My mind, I'm yeah. pumped. It's wicked. Um <clears throat> so I'll tell you, Show's master really needs some homeboy. Really needs some VO5 hot oil. <laughs> guy's fucking hair is straw. <laughs> Jesus, it's brutal man. Oh shit! Like if Show can rock the eyeliner and the uh, the blush, you know, <laughs> dude needs to get some hot oil up in that piece. Um, but you know, one of the things that you know it, it comes across certainly ham-handed because it's an action film. 
but mm-hmm. I have to think that Show also had a hand in this. Is he because he's a father? And he's a father too, and it's on the screen, and it's, it's real life on the screen. Those are his two sons, as we said. Um, there's this this uh, the whole drive of the film is a man wanting better for his sons, yeah, wanting to pursue the American dream of working hard and and providing for your family and also wanting to put his past behind him for the sake of his son's meaning <laughs> he's a ninja but he doesn't want his kids to know and that's very as much as it's it's ham-handed in, in the sense of this film that's kind of what it is with all of us i don't want my kids to know the debauchery i engaged in as a young man yeah yeah that, that, that's the world you end up in when you have children and you start to think about the things you've done yep and uh, how much you don't want your kids to do that. Um, of course, kids will be boys, will be teenagers, and then will be men or females. Boys men. Yeah, so ABC, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they will get into their own uh, thing. Um, I don't want to think about that, but it is true. Uh, well, I don't want to think about that because my son's two right now and he's totally innocent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to think about that kind of stuff. But uh, the reality is that, you know, they will be boys, they will be men. So, But I understand. It, my favorite thing about this film is the family dynamic. Yeah, it's... it's, it's Outside um, of the finale. It's, yeah, it's naively sweet, I think. And Shokazugi's... Or sincere, uh, it's earnest, I should say. And Shokazugi's uh, always mid-80s parkour. That he always yeah. sends it. To do. Yeah, man. It's like, hey, show. There's a boat. Ooh, <laughs> I think I'll totally. climb on that. <laughs> yeah, he's hopping over shit all kinds. And sorry if I'm clearing my throat. Uh, let me clear my throat on air because I'm sick and I'm too lazy to get off the medicine ball and turn down the mixer. So just roll with it, everyone. Yes. Um, speaking of dialogue and no one having any favors done, even like the. The cops, like their dialogue's terrible too, man. Like there's oh, one yeah. moment it's when bad. the cops and the, the mobsters are speaking, because mm-hmm. there's some diamonds that go missing, of course, and they blame it on the Japanese dude. Yeah, well, they blame it on I think the, the Mr. Green, I think early on, and they, they put it on <coughs> our good friend Show. Yeah, but uh, that, that like, that's a good example of crime dialogue gone gone awry. Because here we yeah. got the heavies and the cops and. It's not even good, like noir dialogue. It's it's, oh. just, it's just pretty bad. It's just like well, oh. he, here's how it goes. So the the mobster when they're squabbling about where the diamonds are, he says, "You pigs are bastards, devious bastards," and the cops reply with, "Don't talk that way, punk." <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty silly. Yeah. Pretty silly. Great. Um, <clears throat> as good as show is in the the arts of the ninja. His wifey is uh, is pretty quick with her hands because she gets that fucking first dollar bill up in a frame quick. <laughs> like, you know, it's that thing of, okay, we're going to keep the frame dollar bill below the counter. You take the one dollar bill you get from this customer, drop it on the counter, pick up the framed one. Yeah. That whole, that whole, sequence, was, trick. That whole sequence was ninja-like. It was. <laughs> they made their first dollar, they framed it, they hung it. Oh, yeah. They said, fuck yeah, let's go buy one of the boys a Michael Jackson jacket. That jacket's incredible. That jacket is fucking incredible. Speaking of things I wanted as a child and never got. <laughs> um, and his wife, we have to say, has been on the show before. She was, I'm speaking of Mr. Mike Malloy, I had a dream actually last night. 
me and Mike Loy, <laughs> and you. I like where some, this. I like where this is going. Yeah, me, you, Mike, and a buddy of mine from my old hometown. <laughs> you, Mike, had a Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg. We had a barber shop in my old hometown. Awesome. And this, really, this really fat dude came in, and uh, and for some reason, Mike killed him. And I'm worried because it's a big glass storefront window. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, Mike, man, we're gonna get pinched. Here. We're gonna get pinched. He's like, don't worry. He's like, go in the back. He goes to you. He goes, go in the back. Get that drum of, uh, what does he say? Uh, some chemical compound that, that he called like ISO something or other. Get that, get that drum of blah, blah, blah. I'm bringing it up here. We're going to put the body in there. <laughs> it was just right before I woke up, man. Fucking Malloy. You've watched a lot of, uh, you've watched a lot of Euro crime, haven't you, yeah, buddy? A lot of smooth, smooth criminal, Mr. Malloy. So. Yeah, she was, uh, she was in Looker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right, man. She was in Looker. So, um, but yeah, uh, rolled headbands again. Even um, though it's the young punks, there's, well, there's a lot of headbands in this film. Even the like the homeless people on the side of the street that are burping when they're walking. Around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're wearing headbands. Yeah, he's just fucking hunched over. Um, you know, one of the most homoerotic uh, things that happens in eighties action films, and we've had one on the show. But that that's like the chain up by the villain to the hero. Are we talking about the Mike Malloy dream again? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, Action Jackson has it. Uh, oh Red Scorpion God. had it. This film has it. Whenever this hero's chained up and shirtless, it's just so homoerotic. It, it it makes no sense logically. No, unless they're getting whipped. I guess it makes some amount of sense because you want the whip to hit bare skin because it hurts more. Yeah. But a lot of times in these movies, it's really just an excuse to oil up the lead. You get his shirt off. Yeah, and I don't know who that's supposed to be for. <laughs> because well, women aren't watching at that point. They're like, no, what the fuck? They've tuned out. It's us for us dudes, man. <laughs> Little show. Um, yeah. Uh. <coughs> I still I still can't figure out the... Uh, and maybe I'm uh, just... And I don't claim to be an Asian film expert at all. But maybe I'm just ignorant to the fact I don't. I still don't know what the slow motion water and breaking pearl necklace thing was. I don't either. <laughs> it was one of those bizarre like drug moments. Yeah, it was pretty great. Talk about a YouTube clip. Jesus, <laughs> what, and, is, what uh, does the breaking of the pearl necklace signify? I can tell you a few things I could come up with. Yeah, yeah I've broken off a few pearl necklaces in my day. Yeah. Um, I have too, right on Zom's cheeks. Yeah, man. <laughs> Willie's wearing those aviators. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like the leather man. So you got a little mustache on your finger. I got a little pearl necklace on my fingers. <laughs> That's right, man. A little pearl earrings too for some right on the earlobe. Oh. So, um, but there's a great little Honda Civic versus uh, Dodge Ram chase that. They quickly realized that's kind of ridiculous. So let's throw a show in the back of the pickup truck to have them fight someone, you know. And it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's it's you know some decent stunt work. Um, it's not you know the problem is I've been rewatching so much Jackie Chan shit that oh, yeah. poor show. I mean, anyone pales in comparison to what Chan and Sam was and all those guys were doing. Yeah, we were doing back in the day. So yeah, yeah that's you know, but it was still good. I mean, you know, we get the payoff of. A pretty terrible, and by terrible I mean awesome, truck explosion. Oh man, the car explosions in this film. Like the old man in the beginning. What was yeah. he? What was he hauling to his uh, uh, sister's house in Atlantic City? Fucking dynamite, nitroglycerin. <laughs> Jesus, what an explosion! Yeah, it was. If you're the, if you're the criminals, you think you'd want to be a little bit more subtle. 
about the yeah. fact that you just killed an old man. <laughs> it's like sorcerer. No, it's ridiculous. That's the trucks from sorcerer. The sorcerer of the truck, yeah. Um, show has enough sense to know he's going to be in our show almost 30 years later, and he does rock the leather gloves when he's in stealth mode on the boat, yeah. on the love boat. Yeah. And he's also got the rolled, rolled-sleeved leather jacket. <laughs> and this is great because this is the moment when he utters or he threatens, he utters the threat that has the title of the film in it. He has a knife up to the cheek of the bad guy. It's like, you will pray for death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of our listeners and one of the fellow podcasters, uh, he said that it had his favorite, uh, he's known as Mo Porn on the uh, Facebook. But I think he does the, uh, uh, which I don't know what podcast he does off the top of my head. Damn it. Let me, I can't let me look because I'm going to feel bad if I don't mention his podcast. But uh, he said it had his favorite uh, <laughs> title mention in a film ever. <laughs> yeah, and what's great is show shows gentlemanly enough to only put the knife on the pre-existing scar on the scumbag's face. Drunk on VHS podcast. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and then the, you know this guy has the the good sense to slit his own wrist so he can end up in the hospital, and he does. Speaking of Bronson, and every villain in any hospital movie, any time there's a movie, you know the white coat maneuver is going to happen, <laughs> yes. where they're going to dress themselves up as the doctor. Yeah. So, and that's great, man, because the the mobsters in the hospital now he's got the white coat on. He's uh, there's something in Italian, a scaffi means the slap. Man, he's giving the scaffies to one. Did you see that one scene where he's got the guy by the collar and he's just slapping him back and forth? <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Um, and there's some hot licks during that. And, uh, oh, no, no, sorry. The hot licks came right after that. There's a great prayer by candlelight scene with Shokasugi with some hot licks. Yes. <laughs> a lot of candles in this film, too. Candles. Speaking of candles, candles last week, too, man, with uh, joysticks. <laughs> yeah. Joysticks and hot licks. <laughs> these guys are the people sitting in these, uh, the Shokasugi's master hanging out at Cracker Barrel buying candles. <laughs> 90% off. <laughs> Uh, Candles and bubble guns. <laughs> <laughs> and rattan frogs for the garden. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the one fucking slime ball in this. He has a brown, what looks to be, I don't think it's actual, but at least in its in its look, it's like a brown suede members only. Yeah, yeah, that's James Booth. That's the writer. He plays uh, Limehouse Green. Or Limehouse. Well, always Limehouse Willie is his name of his character. It's got this great black exploitation name. He does. And I was hoping by you know revisiting this and looking at the cast, I was like, oh man, I hope Limehouse Willie's one of those bad guys for the ages because I don't recall him. And there's a reason for that. I don't think that James Booth is. I think he's okay in the film, but I don't think he's. <sighs> I don't he's know. not. He's not. Listen. The problem is, man, is that you. As we always say, you need a villain to rise to the occasion to make our hero greater. And yeah. this has a bunch of bumbling, sleazy idiots. Yes. That are just ninja fodder. Yes. Yes. That's that's, that's what it is. Reason, that's one of the reasons the film suffers. I mean, it's still fine, which I'm sure you'll hear with our scores, but it's not. You know, high watermark. Um, don't you love Kane and Shane's ninja bike? It's like Lone Wolf and Cub's baby cart. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Red oh. smoke, pegs, you know, all this stuff. It's really oh, great. Well, fucking you know, pegs. The pegs look like antennas. Yeah, they're pretty impressive, man. They, <laughs> uh, you know, they, were, they strut out some, with some blow darts, nunchucks. You know, they, they, they do it. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a funny moment when 
show breaks the fourth wall when he's like he jumps into frame much like um oh, dude in uh, conquest with the bone nunchucks he jumps into frame and he looks at the can looks at us yes and then the camera pulls back and we can see that there's a couple dummy guards behind like a, a um a gated like a gatehouse and he immediately jumps over the fence and surprises them it's like didn't you realize when the, like the ninja jumped two feet in front of you that he was there <laughs> you deserve to get killed <laughs> idiot oh shit <laughs> there's a lot of arrows through throats ninja stars to eyes uh, yes i love the ninja stars of course i mean they're, they're so quintessential to a ninja is the stars oh you know what would have knocked this film up a whole point for me if there had been heavy arterial spray yeah i don't understand the x rating uh, I really don't, because it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, the most graphic stuff in here is really maybe some throat slashings. But they're, they're the type of throat slashings where somebody swings a sword and then the person falls toward the camera and you see the makeup's already on there, right? Yeah. They're not, yep. you know, like you say, there's no arterial spray. And the ninja stars are literally, you know, throw the star quick pan, boom, it's already in the guy's head, he's on the ground. He's starting to rock backwards. Yeah, so it's not, I don't know, maybe it's just my jaded sensibilities, but this film's no more violent than anything I saw in the 70s. No. I mean, some of the Eurocrime stuff we've done has been more violent than this. Oh, for sure. Or for show. Um, <laughs> there is the biggest ninja star to the throat ever in the history of cinema, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I remember very many ninjas using that weapon. No, he had to unfold it, man. It's like a tent with the poles. <laughs> yeah. Like tent pole ninja star. Um, as, as a dad character, you should have had, they should have had a scene where he's having trouble opening that. <laughs> <laughs> like the dad that goes camping with his kids yeah. can't figure the tent out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been great. Uh, I'll tell you, man, show just cleared that pickup truck when he was doing the flip over it. Yeah. I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm wondering if that was a forced perspective shot. Or oh, maybe, stunt. maybe. Because I have a hunch it may have been, because as much as I want to believe that Shokasugi can jump eight feet in the air everywhere he goes, uh, I don't know. I don't even know if Jackie Chan would pull that one off. Well, Jackie Chan would pull it. <laughs> well, he'd, show, man. he'd run over it. I mean, you know, yeah. he'd, you know, he'd run. He, from, he would, as it was coming towards him, he would hop up and yeah, run over the, the, yeah. van, the, the truck. But he just cleared it. If that was real, like, he came inches from horrible death. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible death. Um, and then they, and they undercrank. It's, it's pretty lumpy, uh, technique-wise. Like, they undercrank and have him grab the underside of the truck. Mm-hmm. And and show talk about Kung Fu grip. I know he's a ninja and he does Japanese arts, but <laughs> he is so patient. He holds on to the underside of this truck for hours because it goes from broad daylight to nighttime. Yes, it and does. he holds on, man. You pick, talk about picking your spot. <laughs> They shot, they shot this movie in Houston, Texas, of all places. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and then the film ends up at a fucking uh, a mannequin factory. <laughs> I'm expecting a wide-eyed, greasy Joe Spinell to come into frame. Yeah, with Henry Silva somewhere. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's been amazing. It, it, it's one of those weird mannequin factories where, for some reason, some of them are hanging by their throat from the ceiling. I, I just don't know what the hell's going on. Some of them have makeup on their face, and it's, it's <laughs> somebody needs to talk to the staff that works there. <laughs> no doubt, man. They need they need a written warning for that sort of treatment of their their product. <laughs> Get and, human resources. <laughs> geez, and not just that, but this is a, a mannequin factory that has 
chainsaws. It has oh, conveyor belts, which dude, maybe I could see, but it also dude. has buzz, like fucking buzz saws. Dude, this finale has more weapons than a fucking video game laying around. I have never seen so many possible weapons that are used. Oh, yeah. It's it, ridiculous. It, it is insane, man. And then it even ends like in like a Fulci-esque way where... There's uh, like spikes through heads. There's ninja or nunchuck spikes through hands. Oh. A buzz saw. It's like it's like City of the Living Dead. <laughs> it's like, what the, <clears throat> so maybe maybe that's where the X comes from. Maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe. Is it, I mean, it turns into like almost like a horror movie because you know once you get a chainsaw out, you're really going. You can't get a chainsaw out in cinema and not think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or Scarface. Or Scarface, yeah. But even when I see it in Scarface, I immediately think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, good point, good point. Or maybe when I see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I immediately think of Scarface. Either way, the chainsaw is, you know, it's one of those vicious tools. It's iconic. It evokes certain things. Yeah, when you hear that motor rev up and stuff, you know, so. And you know what kind of damage it can do very easily. Yeah, so you better be prepared to to have it do its thing, because otherwise, what's the point, right? Right. Use a knife or something. But that's the the, the other problem I have, though, is that, like, our, our... bad guy limehouse willie show is running through people left and right as a master ninja but limehouse willie evidently is like the toughest cop or toughest uh, thug that this ninja's ever faced well that's the problem is he's really a lame 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 uh foil for for show they needed another ninja mm-hmm. or something like someone who knew something a boxer i don't know something but to have just some sleazy like balding gangster who really couldn't even fight like you know, it. Uh, and, you know, they try to, to to dress the setup to give them some things to to work with, but you know, uh, so it goes. And I love well, at the well, end. Well, what would have been awesome is if that bad guy would have been Henry Silva. Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Spinella is his, his main henchman. <clears throat> <laughs> would have been amazing. Yeah, um, I love at the end. The cop says, "Oh." There's someone running around, some Asian guy, or some 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 man in a black oriental costume. Do ninjas still exist? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, he looks like a bionic ninja. Oh, yeah. All right, is that all your notes? That's all my notes. All I'm right. going to throw a smoke bomb, you know? <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, Shokasugi, home video superstar extraordinaire <laughs> for me, because, I mean... These films didn't really get... I mean, Enter the Ninja, I think, had a theatrical release when I was growing up, but I don't recall hardly anything else Shokasugi did that I didn't see by home video. Um, so he was like, you know, like weekend rental, like a superhero for me. You know, like oh, we'd, 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 we'd be talking about him at school, and then, you know, we'd all get together, and, you know, like I, my best friend lived right next door to me. We'd all get together, we'd rent that player, and we'd always rent a ninja film. We get we get the horror films because we could get away with it, but if we couldn't get the horror films, we always get ninja films or you know kung fu films. But we definitely always would get the ninja films because they were really popular in the eighties. And I was only uh, twelve to thirteen, maybe fourteen years old when this one came out. So, but even younger when uh, Enter the Ninja came out, and uh, before we had cable, this is how we kind of got off on our ninja stuff. Of course, once we had cable, we didn't have to rent these much anymore because they were cable staples as well. Um, but yeah, ninja culture in the eighties, man, it was so popular that I can remember stores, small storefronts in Louisville, Kentucky, that sold ninja weaponry. Yep. <laughs> and these these stores were packed all the time. 
We would go in there, man, and everybody was checking out the stars. And we'd all be like, oh, man, I got to get this. This star's 20 bucks. I got to save up. <laughs> you know, and, and here we are. We're basically buying artillery in a lot of ways. Not, you know, not, not like a gun artillery, but we're buying stuff that literally we can hurt each other really badly with. Instruments of death. <laughs> yes. And there's, and there's no laws that preclude it or anything. You know, kids are going to school and they're carrying stars in their pockets. I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know about Canada, but I know in the States, I'd go to school, man, and we'd all, you know, if one of us got a new star, we'd bring it to school, and we'd show it oh, off and yeah. everything else, and we'd go out on the playground, and we'd throw it in the mud, or throw it in the dirt, <laughs> or try, try to put it in a tree. We never could, like Shokazuki, of course. Oh, fuck. It was landing two feet away in the dirt. <laughs> Either that or and, was, not, and not even sticking up. Either that or it was just hitting the tree and bouncing off. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, we're little kids. We don't have that kind of power. We don't have the uh, the Shokazuki power. No. But I just look back on that time and just like think, wow, you know, what a different time that was, you know. I mean, wearing ninja boots for no reason. I mean, well, Christine Makepeace <laughs> still wears ninja boots for no reason. <laughs> Some of us can still rock that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, she even had the toe separation. <laughs> yeah, man. But then there's the tiger claws. You know, I, I had friends that had those, and they were trying to climb trees with them. It never quite worked for them, by the way. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But there's all these ninja weapons stuff, and I had friends that actually went all out and bought the costumes. Man, they bought the black outfits and stuff. And seriously, yeah, they go all out, man. Uh, it's not like they walk around the neighborhood wearing that stuff. Like, hey, I'm gonna go play basketball. I'm wearing my ninja costume down there. <laughs> but they would wear like the the pants sometimes, or you know, it's almost like a jumpsuit in a way. <clears throat> I know that. Um I dressed as a ninja many, for many Halloween, like two or three Halloweens. And, you know, one year it was like, I got to be a ninja, so I was like a zombie ninja. But I wonder if in like the 18th century, if, if Japanese, like real ninjas, if someone said to them, you know, in this far-flung place in North America, children are going to be dressing up as you for this pagan celebration and getting candy. Yeah. <laughs> They're blowing their mind. Yeah. The ninja costume, though, growing up, that is a quintessential Halloween costume. Oh, There's a lot yeah. of people. It's a simple costume. Cheap. And effective. It looks good, you know, because the ninja is one of those weird things where it's it's cinematically it's one of those great looking characters. It can be it can be silly. God, if your home made it silly, but yeah. I mean, you know, if I'd have walked around in a red ninja costume, this red fat ninja walking around, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, with the katana swords and everything else, they kind of adapted the samurai style in a lot of ways, and and some of the other stuff that went on with uh, Japanese culture and. And I always like that and stuff. But my favorite thing about the ninjas cinematically is that they are these silent assassins. Um, this one, not so much. Kasugi's always yelling, so he's always bringing attention to himself more than he is <laughs> than he isn't. So, but you know, hey, it's the eighties. You know, <laughs> this ninja's on cocaine. Shows down with the ladies. Uh, one of the conceits of the story is that Kasugi's children think he's a bit of a limp noodle. You know, they're like they're, they're always kind of let down. The dad don't you know? The dad's not the badass ninja like they watch in the movies. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, True Lies, right? Yeah, yeah. They always it's it's one of those conceits to the story, and I always I kind of like that conceit. The kids, you know, kids want their dads. At some level, they think their dad is a superhero. Boys do, um, and even girls, maybe I don't know. But at some point in level, kids, let's just say, growing up, do think their parents are superheroes. Maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not, you know, Superman and Batman. But unless their parents were running around the house dressed like that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, which I wouldn't put past some people. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but you do look up to your parents at some level and stuff. And, of course, as you get older, you know, as you mature, you realize certain things. And then as you even get older, you may realize, if you're lucky, that your parents were maybe 
a superhero of some sort and that they raised you and stuff, you know, and, the, and they are part of the real heroes of our lives. But um, I like that. I like that kind of conceit that the children have because that is such a young boy thing. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, come on, Dad. Stand up for yourself. Come on. Yeah, it was great. Because kids, you know, when you're young, especially I think my generation, your generation may be the last generation of this, you know, Sonic standing up for yourself and standing up against bullies and tough kids and stuff like that. That's kind of like a rite of passage for boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of like that conceit in the story. Um, like I said, yeah. Kasugi's doing it. Now that I know this, Kasugi's doing himself no favors with the dialogue. I mean, he tries. I'll give him credit. But I think, you know, he's a better as the strong, silent type. Yeah, or with a few kind of um, well-timed lines. But, you know, I, I don't blame him for trying. But it was just one of those things. Some uh, some accents are more difficult to shake than others, and I mean, even Jackie Chan, who's been here for a lot of years, his English is quite good. But yeah. you know, Japanese, I think there's more emphasis uh, on certain um, pronunciation in, in the, the language, so it makes it a little more difficult to transition. But yeah, I mean, but even even the people that English is their first language, I mean, their their dialogue is is assy too. As we oh yeah, said. yeah. I mean, think about some of the early Jean Claude Van Damme stuff. Oh yeah, some of the dialogue they used to give him, and he would try to fumble through was brutal, <laughs> big time. <laughs> but you know that's where some of these guys, I think, you know, they 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 can kind of excel at playing the strong silent type. What's really odd is people like Scott Atkins, who's really Ooh. good at being the strong silent type, but actually speaks. You know, he's an Englishman. He actually yeah. speaks quite well, so it's it's very strange that he ends up playing strong silent type. You know, some actors are just better at that, and I just—I think that Kasugi's one of them because he is this—this—he is the ninja to me, right? I mean, growing up in the '80s, when I think of ninjas, I think of Shokasugi. Oh, there—he's the king. Yeah, he is. Simon may have been the king of the witches, yeah, <laughs> but Sho was the king of the ninjas. And we played Queen of the Witches earlier. Yeah, <laughs> everything's kind of coming together. Yeah, serendipitous. <laughs> Did you see that post I had? Man, I watched that. I rewatched that Dirty Laundry short, oh, and I realized yeah. the same guy at three o'clock. High, that's fucked up. Yeah, I saw that. That's, I just saw that. That's crazy, man. Yeah, one of those weird moments where you're like, "Holy shit!" Um, once he puts his, and I have to, I had to write this down. I, I think it looks cool. But it's an absolutely ridiculous ninja costume. Oh yeah, Shredder. The chiffon with Shredder meets Victoria's Secret with like the chiffon <laughs> mouth cover. There's no way this thing's being silent. If those flaps come open, man, they're gonna sound like a couple of car doors. But um <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But but the thing is in the movie, the shit gets real right then and there. It does. And I think that's what you want through most of the film sadly that doesn't happen until about 70 minutes into the film of a 95 minute long film yeah you don't really get the the what the cover promises until about 70 to 75 minutes in and really that's the real thing that hurts this film i think i like some of the dramatic pieces um and i like what kasugi and them were trying to do hessler and kasugi and whoever else was involved james booth i like what they're trying to do I just don't feel like up until that point, that 70-minute point, they're not really getting across what they need to get across. First of all, Booth's not a good enough bad guy for Kasugi. No. Kasugi's got way too much dialogue for me. Um, the film's a little too talky regardless of yeah, who's talking. It's a little non, a little too non-action. Uh, not that it needed to be balls-to-the-wall action. I didn't expect that the first time I saw it or even revisit because I knew it wasn't. But 
it needed a little bit more. Even if it was just like maybe they should have spliced in like the kids watching more ninja films, maybe. And yeah. that way they could have used Kasugi in that way because I, I think it is him in the intro, just masked up, and they you know they see this, they see this character as their father. So maybe that would have been cool if they just would kept revisiting that motif throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something to kind of get more ninja stuff in there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's yeah, definitely definitely a fair thing to say. But that that's the problem. I just I think pacing is the problem in this film. That's the biggest weakness this film has. It's it's got some some pretty lame pacing. And like and like we talked about the the bad guy cop angle the the acting and dialogue is is so kind of cardboard cut out there that it really whenever the bad guys are on screen or cops I was bored yeah they was yeah they were really lame yeah and that's the real I mean you know like we've always said in these kind of movies the bad guy has to be just as good if not better in some cases than the good guy. So you have they, a they reason. Do. They have to be more over the top. Yeah. So that sure. way you you know you're kind of into it. So a good example that I just thought of when I thought about uh, Zom and them doing uh, Demolition Man. That's a great example of the bad guy being that two levels higher than the good guy. Yep. Uh, that makes I think that makes Demolition <laughs> Man a fun movie is that you know Wesley Snipes is that much more over the top than <laughs> what pun intended than yeah. Sylvester Stallone. So. I think that you have to have bad guys like that. Uh, at least for me, I'm not saying everybody has to have bad guys like that, but no, but it's, it makes for a great film memorable. You have to love to hate them, and part of you has to kind of be bummed when it happens, but still pumping your fist, cheering. It's yes, exactly. totally, man, exactly. <clears throat> but uh, you know, it's 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 a good movie. It's just not. A, it's definitely not a great movie, and it's certainly not. As we kind of joked around with Jay, it's certainly not. Uh, his shining moment in cinema history, and uh, of course, we've never been known. <laughs> <laughs> to pick all, all actors shining moments. I mean, if that was the case, <laughs> I think we'd pick like other Gary Busey films and <laughs> yeah. other stuff. They're shining in their own way for us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is not Kasugi's, uh, Kasugi-san's uh, high point of his career, but mm-hmm. an interesting little tidbit in it nonetheless. And I didn't know all that background stuff, so it was cool that you knew that stuff because I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that he broke off from canon because of personal, because he didn't like Ninja 3, which I don't know what's wrong with that guy. Well, I think he just felt like it. I mean, you know, and I, it's one of those things where Canon was totally trying to have their cake and eat it too, where they're putting in aerobics and Lucinda Dickey off the breakdancing films. They're trying to combine aerobics, breakdancing, and ninjas with spiritual possession. So we know it makes a great film, but I can understand Show maybe thinking, this is fucking ridiculous. I don't want any part of this. I'll go to MGM with the two mushies. Yeah, yeah you got a point. All right, so let's hear your MVTs make breaks. Well, if your MVT isn't my MVT, I'll be stunned. <laughs> yeah, I, if exactly. If your make or break isn't my make or break, I'll be stunned. <laughs> I will be too. And so it, make, if, if your score isn't similar, I'll be stunned. Yeah, totally. Make or break is the finale because, I mean. <laughs> check number one? Check. <laughs> you have to, it has to be. There's nothing else even close. Like the pacing is kind of. Lamo and you know, show one to spread his wings or yeah, the finale is so GGGMC <laughs> that your tooth wake. Yeah, I just wish the villain was better to swing back at him, but yeah, you know. Uh MBT has to be the man, <laughs> the myth, the feather haired ninja himself. Shokasugi. <laughs> Check. It ain't Gordon Hessler, baby. No. Um and my fourth score for the film is a six point two five out of ten. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's just you know, it's it's fun, and I would own it if it was like a cheapy DVD. But 
it, it's it's lower tier show, but that's still fun, you know, especially when you factor in the nostalgia. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be. <clears throat> I don't know. When my son's a teenager, it'll be a fun movie to watch with him. Maybe, maybe totally. a little, maybe a little bit older than that. Uh, maybe a little bit younger than that. Maybe it just depends on what kind of you know boy he is. Three. No. <laughs> I was a little bit more. The only thing I didn't check on is I was a little bit more lenient than you. Uh, I'm not lenient, but a little bit more forgiving with the score. I only gave it a point two five higher though. Oh, that's okay. Man. So six point five, and and I think that strictly goes for just how much I love Shokasugi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even going to go over the other stuff because it's exactly the same. But uh, <laughs> because this is not Gordon Hessler's masterpiece, we know what that is. We've already covered that motherfucker. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I could see 6.25 easily. I mean, this is one that me and you would watch together and we'd be like, yeah, you know, we're we're total we're, we're in total agreement on this one. Uh, and I think that anybody that watches this that that and it's available on Netflix since like we said and Amazon Prime Video and some of the other streaming sites have it too. Um so if you have those instead of Netflix whatever, but I think anybody that watches this, I'd be hard pressed to bet that anybody on a ten scale would score this higher than a seven. Like seven <laughs> would be as high as this film could go. Yeah, you got to put the blinders on, dude, and, and, and you'd that. have to just be like the world's biggest Shokasugi fan to give it a it's seven. Yeah, a bit of a fanboy, yeah. Because there's just the the filmmaking's not there, the pacing's not there, the writing's not there. It's it's a good film for what. It is, and for the entertainment purposes it serves for the 92 minutes it runs. But that you got to get 70 minutes in to get to the kasuginess. And that, oh, the, yeah. bud- and that the budget was $4 million? Man, you can start to see the, the inflation in cinema. Jeez, yeah. Because it doesn't seem like they spent $4 million on this. I don't know. No, no, it doesn't at <laughs> all. That was a uh, hair, hairspray budget for show. I don't know, man. <laughs> hairspray budget. <laughs> Or suit budget. The guy's got some snazzy suits in the film. Yeah, he loves rocking a nice suit. He looks like fucking, he rocks a suit like James Coburn, man. Also, I gotta gotta say, I didn't say this in my notes, and I should have. A lot of violence against children in this film. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My God, everybody's either running over kids or hitting kids or punching kids. But the kids hold their own, man. They got the weapons of death. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I know what some of the purpose is and stuff, but I mean, God. Poor, poor. There is a lot of kid violence. (laughs) A lot of violence toward children. Yeah, man. (laughs) Old man violence and kid violence. (laughs) All right, normally we take a break, but I figure we'll just go ahead and get into some feedback here and knock some more of it out since we only have one film this week. Uh, I'm going to go over some emails because we get quite a bit here. We're starting to back up on the email a little bit. I don't know if I read this one before, so if you think I have... I'll so, stop you. Yeah, this one's from Ian, who uh, also, I think he has a blog, My Left Eyes Toast. Okay. Uh, he says, hi, chaps, regarding your discussion concerning the origins of housework training sequence popularized in the popularized in the Karate Kid. The earliest one he could think of was in the 36th Chamber of Shaolin with Gordon Liu. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that is true. I'd like to cover that at some point in time. We haven't done uh, some of those quintessential... <laughs> Martial arts film. I think it's one everybody's seen pretty much at this point. It is, for sure. Wouldn't mind checking out the Blu-ray of that at some point. Uh, let's see here. I got some more. One second here. This one's from... Uh, okay. He seems, this is Rolf. R-O-L-F Rolf. Uh, he says, Hi, gents. My dream has come true. You finally have covered Over the Top. This was my childhood favorite, and I have a story to tell about this gem. So back in 95, when he turned 16 and was finally allowed to have his own VCR... The first tape he watched was indeed over the top. 
Nice. Yeah, I always love the final match with Sly sledding like a pig or a whole pig style and giving <laughs> us his famous facial expressions, acting masterclass, and all in slow motion. <laughs> well, I really adored that scene, and I wanted to watch it over and over and over again. Well, being young and inexperienced, I somehow pressed the wrong button on my remote. All of a sudden, the scene would play in super slow motion. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get it to play on normal speed again. This was quite an experience, the fear of having screwed up my VCR, but also the joy of watching Sly's sweat rain and slowly moving under lip to very unusual places this way. It felt like art cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ended up pulling the plug on my VCR, and it survived the incident, but I will never forget it. And today, Over the Top is still one of my all-time favorite movies. Sure, it's cheesy and has a terrible script, but it's unintentionally funny. It's so very exciting when the tournament stuff kicks in. The montage featuring Giorgio Moroder's The Fight gives me goosebumps every time. I think we agreed on that when we talked about it. Totally. Moroder's score is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> As being an elementary school teacher, I played it during sports lessons when I would let my students wrestle. <laughs> it helped to set the mood. I told my wife that, actually. I told my wife that. I thought that was very cool. You said it helped to set the mood, I tell you. The soundtrack is amazing anyway. I listen to The Winner Takes It All after having passed my exams. There is no other song giving this feeling of victory. Queen my ass. <laughs> <laughs> to end up this email, I'd like to ask you about your favorite Sly action movies. For me, he is the best action star as he actually can act. Uh, over the top as being a bad example, he knows. And is very convincing in his action scenes. Having watched almost every Sly action movie, here's my top five. Number one, Over the Top. Number two, First Blood. Number three, Cliffhanger. Number four, Rocky. And number five, Lockup. Keep up the excellent work, guys. Cheers. Rolf. Oh, he's kind of putting us on the spot there. He is. What do you think? Can you name off five of your favorite Stallone flicks? I can name number one easily. Well, you know, the Rocky, like Rocky one and two are just excellent films. You know, forget anything else. They're the three and four are cartoony. Uh, fives, you know, five's five. And six is, you know, it's a nice little return. Um, excluding one and two because I think they're just amazing films. My favorite Stallone film, and I think it's easily his best action film, is Cobra. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. I fucking love Cobra. I'm not a big fan of a lot of Sly's later action. Like I don't mind Lockup. Lockup's pretty brutal. It's good. Um, I don't. I've, I've. I don't really care for Cliffhanger. I don't think. Um, I like Demolition Man a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Dread's a piece of shit. Uh, yeah, that's that's a bad oh, film. It's awful, but it has it's snake bit because it has Rob Schneider in it. Um, Rambo, First Blood, uh, First Blood Part Two probably is in there. Um, what about the what about the new Ram, new Rambo? That's pretty. <clears throat> oh, that's up there for sure. That's man. A, that's a modern classic now, in my opinion. I, I would agree with you. So yeah, First Blood Part Two, that Demolition Man, Cobra. I'm sure there's a bit, and maybe there's got to be a one big one we're forgetting, but you know it's on the well, spot. <laughs> my my uh, my favorites are probably I think my favorite Stallone movie. <sighs> That's tough, but I think I think I like First Blood the most. Yeah, just because it's like to me it's quintessential Stallone. Nothing is over. Yeah, now now you're talking action films, so like I wouldn't like rope like stuff like Copland in there, which is the film I love. Well, same here, and that's the thing, because he is an actor who yeah. could act, so I don't want to say, you know, like, yeah, lump in that stuff, because, yeah, Copland's an amazing performance. I love uh, First Blood. <laughs> I love I love First Blood 1, 2, and the new one a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love all three of those. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Nighthawks. We're going to cover that at some point. Some people don't it, really dig it that much. 
but I love it and I love his character in it, Deke to Silva. Yeah, but again, it's not an action film. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah. That's why I never. Yeah, okay, I can understand. I can see what you're saying. Cause you're like talking kind of thriller. If you're talking like Stallone action, yeah, I can see what you're saying. You're you're probably right. You really want to look at his filmography. The guy he's known for these action flicks, but really, outside of a few like gigantic ones and stuff, the guy's made a lot of like different type stuff. Yeah, Victory's even, pretty cool. I don't yeah, know. It's it's even over the top and I mean not over the top, but even. Uh, which we call lockup in a lot of ways is kind of a heavy drama, drama. with some yeah. action set pieces in it. But I mean, I love Cobra. I mean, I agree with you. We covered Cobra a long time ago with Bill from Outside the Cinema, and I love Cobra because it's it's ridiculous. It's everything that eighties action should have been, and it could have been, and was. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like the in some ways it's kind of like the template for me of eighties action films, uh, especially with <laughs> the gro- the grocery store <laughs> yeah, scene. Oh, yeah. You know, so good. I actually like Cliffhanger. Uh, I like it, and uh, and I do like Demolition Man. Uh, but after that, he really went on a uh, a, a turd run because he oh, made Tango a, and Cash. What about you? I, I I like that, but I think I think its reputation precedes itself a little yeah. bit. But he did uh, after Demolition Man. He did the Specialist, which I didn't like. He did Judge Dredd, which I did. I couldn't even get through because it was so brutal. He did Assassins, which I wanted to like and did not. <clears throat> yep. Which is a shame because I like the cast. Banderas, yeah. He did Daylight, which I kind of liked. That wasn't bad. Wasn't the one where the tunnel... Uh, yeah, the collapse. It's got Viggo yeah. Mortensen in it and some stuff. Yeah. It's okay. It's not a great film by any stretch of imagination, but it, it, it's okay because I kind of like the setup and stuff. Yeah. But he really went through a, a, a real shit run there for a while before Rocky Balboa and Rambo kind of brought him back. Yeah, it's true. And you could argue that The Expendables is, you know, good uh, I what will it is. say Expendables is top five for me, yeah. for him. I haven't it, seen part two yet, so I can't say that, but... It's a tough question on you know short notice, but it, it you know it's interesting. Uh, this one is asking for us to locate a copy of the final is score. That, is that our friend in the Windy City? Uh, this one's in North Carolina. Oh, okay. So. Save that. I will get around. It'll take some time. I'll get around to making sure everyone gets sorted. Yes. So Let's just see. be patient. We'll we'll get you guys sorted. All right, Fabian. He sent in some voicemails too. By the way, I don't know if we'll get to him today, but uh, Fabian was that guy that we said was very excited. Because he's like Fabian's great, man. He's yeah, sending in some feedback. So I got another email from him here. Uh, hello, my friends. It's good old. It's my good old Fabian. <laughs> I just heard you read my email, which made me so happy. Oh yeah, happy. Oh oh oh, too much information. No, but I really thank you very much for your time. I've been catching all your reviews. Great stuff. I've been watching a few films lately. And for those of you who don't know, I'm reading Fabian's uh, email word for word. He's a very excitable guy. Great dude. Um, Here's what he's been watching lately. It's it's, it's uh, apropos, to say the least. Number one, Revenge of the Ninja. Great fucking ninja movie. Shokasugi <laughs> kicking ass, plus ninjas, plus bad acting, plus bad action, plus good action, equals A+. Plus. <laughs> Number two, Pray for Death. Awesome 80s action movie. Shokasugi kicking ass, and fuck it. It was awesome. <laughs> Number three, American Ninja 1 and 2, equals Steve James kicks ass, and Steve James kicks ass, and oh yeah, Michael Dude is in there also. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Punisher unrated Dolph Lundgren movie. Fucking awesome and violent. Beats the shit out of all other Punisher movies. And oh yeah, you have to watch the movie and see how many fucking times you can see the boom mic. I shit you not, one scene, the fucking boom mic was in the shot for about 20 straight seconds. Oh yeah, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Number five, Speed Trap equals Joe Don Baker equals good movie. Uh, number six, POW Escape. David Carradine plus Steve James. It's like fucking so good it hurts. Fun movie. I've never seen that one. I'd like to see that one. No, me neither, man. Sounds pretty cool. Steve James and David Carradine. Awesome. Uh, number seven, War Bus. I have seen this one. Really one of the yeah. most underrated 80s POW war type movies. Can't come on and 
come on a punch of dudes drive a fucking yellow bus around a war zone for a whole movie and blow the fuck out of everyone oh oh what did i just type <laughs> number eight <laughs> last shark jaws just yeah. fucking so much better <laughs> I think it tells you what Timo Squalo. I think it's what tells you all the, if you want to know Fabian's taste, that, that line right there tells you everything about Fabian's taste. <laughs> and here's this next one, number nine, Cruel Jaws. Bruno Matei directing a shark movie. Enough said. The best monster movie ever and the worst piece of shit ever equals A and there's several thousand pluses. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so I love and Fab he's so so amazingly enthusiastic that <laughs> I almost I picture someone masturbating furiously as they're typing these emails. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Number ten, automatic, an Oliver uh, Grenier movie, fun stuff, a diehard type movie that is fun and action packed. We haven't done any Grenier yet, so. Oh, we got to get Nemesis. We can that way we can double dip and get Pion on the show. <laughs> yeah, the Colombian Connection, aka the Hard Way, Miles O'Keefe and Henry Motherfucking Silva clean my shoes, Silva. Equals yeah. awesome, and Silva's last scene is fucking awesome. Great fun action movie. Miles O'Keefe and Henry Silva in the same movie. Jesus, <laughs> talking about squinting. <laughs> Number 12, Phantom Raiders. Oh, um, nice, best, nice. Best $1 DVD ever. Miles O'Keefe and a bunch of overweight soldiers kill a lot of fucking people. Really <laughs> a lot of fucking people. Yeah, that's <laughs> Number great. 13, Brutal Matei, double target with Miles O'Keefe blowing the shit out of everyone. And oh, yeah, punching a fucking shark in the face. <laughs> yes, punching a fucking shark in the face. Oh, yeah, so good. Ooh, man, we got to do that one. <laughs> yeah, we do, man. Oh, yeah, that was just a few. That was the last month. I've seen a dozen or more movies. I love fucking movies and people punching sharks in the face. So do we. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for your time. And can you continue keep doing the great work? P.S. I am really hyper, but only to my friends. I will give you a voicemail and try to just unleash on it. My dream is to one day be on your show with you guys. Maybe one day. Thanks for your time. And again, thanks. You should do it. Yeah. One day we'll do it, man. One day. Yeah, Fabian's pretty great. He had to send it. I don't know if we'll get to the voicemails today, but he did send in some voicemails. And, uh, yeah, he's exactly like he is in his emails. He's awesome. Oh, yeah, he does the do. <laughs> he just has a lot of fun. I, I, you know, any kind of, when I hear that kind of uh, enthusiasm. enthusiasm for that kind of cinema, uh, Fabian, we know where your heart's at. Because a lot of times when me and Will are together, like at Horror Hound for something like that, for instance, my wife has even made fun of me and Will because yeah. we've been sitting there and we get so excited. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. You know, we get so excited talking about <laughs> these things. So we it's know true. exactly how you feel, buddy. Yeah, man. That's the way you're. You know, that's the way you got to. That's the way you got to feel. I think I'm just gonna. You know what I'm gonna do with this episode? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna knock out all of our emails. Let's do that because I'm because we're getting really I'm literally in a half Burt Playgirl, half curled up on the floor right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not having to do a lot. I'm reading them all, so you're, you're, you're just, just take a chill, bro. Uh, it's a, it was a gentlemanly gesture, to <laughs> say the least. All right, this one's from uh, Caleb. Uh, he says, hi, guys. Just started listening to your show, and I really enjoyed it so far. I try to only listen to shows about flicks I've already seen, so as to avoid spoilers. Uh, still, I listened to episode 194, The Final Killing Score, and the other week, and, and even though I have never seen... Uh, wait a minute. The other week, even though I'd only seen The Killing. There we go. I was really intrigued by your discussion of Final Score. I see Chroma has a DVD release for the Stabilizer, but I can't find Final Score. So this is another one. Uh, it will can't get find. sorted. Cinema de Bazaar. You guys know anywhere I can find a copy. I think we're trying to work with Cinema de Bazaar on that one. I can't believe that isn't out there somewhere, to be honest with you. Yeah, because Japanese laser disc. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Ooh, I just realized that there's a new Gorepress Gorecast promo and I never downloaded it yet. <laughs> oh, nice. Now you get that out there. 
this is the Windy City one you talked about, so uh, I'll leave yes, that one on here. Friend who's got a beautiful baby boy. Yes, congratulations. If we haven't said so on air, I think we have, but we, we did, we did, but. Uh, Great. There's some great new pictures of his boy. Also, another trailer I haven't downloaded. Sorry. That's the Good, the Bad, the Odd podcast. Sorry about that, Mark. I'll get to that, I promise. Uh, Here we go. This is from our friend in the Windy City, and this is actually an email. Uh, Hello to my absolute favorite gentleman. That's right. Chicago coming out of the woodwork. I haven't really been feedbacking podcasts much the last couple years. People cleverer than me, but more insightful and funnier and things to say have come forward and made the voice show way more entertaining than I ever could. For example, just look at the, my epic fail in the Martyrs episode that still haunts me to this day. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. I want to go back and listen. Yeah. But, I couldn't resist too hard <laughs> but I couldn't resist the chance to come forward once more to give a hearty congrats to the two of the greatest podcasters of all time. Recently, I've been going back to the old episodes of Cinema Diabolic. I specifically listened to the old feedback and remember, <laughs> like an old song that you love, all the voicemails that made me fall in love with listening to you two and Mr. Forrest speak. Mr. Balfour speak. I listen to classic callers like Scorn Mandible, Matsuzaka, and Demise. Nice. And miss them like old friends that visit for a short time, then leave, but are always on your mind. And I waited, and I waited, and waited until finally, Willie's voicemail came through. And like a 14-year-old girl, moistened by the dulcet tones of Justin Bieber, (laughs) I squealed. Sammy's, I believe, came soon after, and right there it hit me. 200 episodes. Fuck. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Seriously, you've made my life so much better than it would have been than it would have been had your podcast not come into it. Besides a new acute understanding of the sweaty master thespianism of both Henry Silva and George Eastman, <laughs> my filmatic desires have both matured and immatured at the same time. Amazing. <laughs> Which has made me a better cinephile and introduced me to directors I would have never heard of otherwise, and some I wish I never had always I never had, but always in a good way. More importantly, listening to you two all of these years. And hear, and to hear you interact with your families and your children has made me want to be a better father and a better husband. I've been inspired to not be ashamed to share some of my rather stranger cinematic tastes with my wife. And therefore, she understands me better as a person. She may not tolerate something like, well, cry of a prostitute or cannibal holocaust, <laughs> as well as your wives might. Oh, yeah, by the way, my wife would not like either one of those films. <laughs> My wife would, would hate Cannibal Holocaust, but she'd be okay with Crime of Prostitute. <laughs> but at least she doesn't look at me like I'm some sort of weirdo for watching it. This is all due to me singing, singing your praises and her listening along. So for that, I thank you. In closing, like those old episodes of Cinema Diabolica, actually, I think my wife would watch Cannibal Holocaust and probably understand it more than the rape scene in the first Death Wish when she walked in and somebody was spray painting somebody's ass. Yeah, good point. <laughs> she was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it is such a bizarre thing. Anyway, in closing, like those old episodes of Cinema Diabolica and some of the, my other favorite old episodes, the first flights of the GGTMC, that is, when we get more analysis of films like The Last Dragon, Remo Williams, than we ever thought possible. Just know that even though I may not know you personally, you gentlemen and your podcast have done more for me than most of my family members by just being you. And know that as long as you guys are in the potosphere, my ears will always be ready for more of that awesome sauce. Just think, CD brought OTC, OTC brought GGTMC, and now we have S&G. What an awesome world we live in. I'm starting to see a de-evolution, though. <laughs> That's me. That, that was my comment, by the way. It was a personal comment to, uh, to Loaf and Zom, just fucking with those guys. They know I love them. Uh, XOXO, Sean from the, uh, the Chai Town. P.S. Nice. for your enjoyment, uh, I've attached the first video I've ever taken of my son, uh, my son, I won't say his name, as we watch the raid together. And the life cycle of the GGTMC lives on. Amazing. Yeah, it's a very cool video. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's, that's really, really, I mean, wow. I mean, what do you say to that? Kind words, indeed, flattering, humbling. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say other than, Sean, we love you. We we know you're still out there, and you know. Oh yeah, he's busy. He's got things on the go, man. Yeah, raise that boy, child. Yeah, raise that boy. Enjoy that. Yeah. You don't have to call us. No. It's occasional email, just a, you know, a hello or something. We're good with. We know you're out there, brother. One of the the sweetest people, you know, we've had the pleasure of of getting to know. Just yes. hard on the sleeve, uh, never changed, Sean. You're an amazing guy. Yes. Um, this one's from Miss Real. I haven't heard from her in a while. I don't even know who yeah. this is, but I know she listens to the show. Yeah, no, I, I do. I don't want to say her name, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to say her name either, because I don't know if... But anyway, she said, just a quick thank you for the Loggins moment in episode 189. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that song was a huge hit when I was first dating my husband, and every permulated DJ hired by my terrible cheap college played across the sky I, at some point in the evening. <laughs> I believe that's permulated. <laughs> Permulleted? Per, yeah, that's permulleted. You're right. Ooh, the permulet. I, I, nice. never, I never thought of it that way. Uh, since our song was even more awesomely romantic, Glory of Love from Karate Kid 2. Yeah. Amazing. Didn't we hear that uh, on our the Jake thing? I think we did, didn't we? Yeah. We would have to go. Uh, we would have to go have a drink and a cigarette while that delightful Stallone love theme, Stand and Sway ballad played. Anyway, thanks for the huge laugh and trip into the Wayback Machine when DJs were just middle-aged guys whose bands never made it. <laughs> I still smoked and could do so inside, and Loggins ruled the airwaves. <laughs> he was the king. So there you go. All right. Okay, that's a question for Tom. Wait, we're almost through here. Let's see here. This one is from, uh, let's just say Cash. Uh, Cash is a UK listener. He says, uh, gentlemen, I've been listening for a long time. Joined around the time of the Deep Red Rituals. <laughs> you heard me just say Deep Red Rituals. <laughs> oh, I'm talking Elmer Fudd all of a sudden. Yeah. Deep Red Rituals. <laughs> and heard about you from a commercial on the projection booth. They do work. The line about uh, being the only people crazy enough to tackle the Brian Buzzword classic Stone Cold was enough to get my attention, and you have had it since. I've listened to all your episodes. I'm looking forward to hearing the 200 edition. I congratulate you on reaching this milestone and hope that you are able to continue for many years to come. I have seen the format change as time has gone on. I do miss the extensive feedback sections. I realize the, why these aren't possible anymore, and I guess it's a fair trade to keep the show going. I do miss Dr. Zom's contributions, but he does have his own podcast now. As a UK listener, many of, my more, many of the more obscure titles you cover are only available via expensive imports. That's why it's been so great to see... So many turn up on YouTube in their entirety. Troma have uploaded many of their titles to YouTube, so films like Stabilizer and Night Beast are available for you all to enjoy from anywhere in the world. That is true, by the way. I know you don't really care for Troma, but they have uploaded almost all their stuff to their YouTube channel, which is yeah, pretty cool, cool. Uh, because you know it makes some of that stuff readily available for people. In addition, many others like Deadly Prey, White Line Fever, and titles you haven't covered, Strike Commando, are available. Everybody wants us to do Strike Commando. We got it. You know what, man? <laughs> Let's do the double deuce very soon. Yeah, we got to do really, it. Like we have to. It's, it's a sh fucking 200 episodes and we haven't done it yet. I know. It's kind of insane. Well, we were holding on to it for a special person, and to see, you know, that person just hasn't been around lately, so. Yeah, for some time now. I believe you should mention this on your show so that international listeners can watch some of these. Otherwise, hard to catch titles. The Deadly Prey episode is one of my favorites. So I would like you to consider uh, reviewing The Room at some point. I believe there is enough to fill an entire show there. <laughs> In any case, I would like to thank you and say that I will always be listening, even when you don't hear from me very much. Cash. Yeah, so thanks. Thank you. Great. It's really kind of words, man. Um, yeah, no, it's good that that stuff's uploaded for sure. Well, no, I, I when I saw that email, I did want to try to make note to say when films that if we knew at least were available, 
for people to play along. We we had mentioned it. So this one is on Netflix Instant, and it's probably on YouTube. So nice. Pray for death. That is. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this is from Alan. Uh, hi, gents. I don't know whether you'll go to feedback on episode 200 or not, but I just want to thank you both, plus all the guests, for doing a great job keeping me entertained and making my work days better. But could you make the Facebook uh, the Facebook uh, group less addictive? It takes up too much of my time, damn you. Luckily, I have time over the week, over at work this week, uh, but to check it out and get paid to do it. So happy nice. 200, and may we get many more. And just a last note to the latest episode. Did you know there's a porno version of Videodrome? Weird but true. <laughs> it's called Video Bone, and nice. it can be found online. Adios from Al. So, no, That's I didn't. our main man in the Dane land. Yeah. Didn't know there was a porno version of, uh, of that. So, ooh. I wonder if there's a porno version of Pray for Death. Pray for Sex. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Oh, let me see. I've done many times. Okay, we got. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, some good ones to do here. Okay, that's a voicemail from Bernie Sticky. We'll play that when we get a chance. Next, we'll do that on the next. Uh, well, well, I guess we'll do it next. Are we going to do the Boulevard show next week? We could. Yeah, we'll do some more feedback next week. Hopefully, yeah. you'll feel better. Let me see here. I'm trying to see. Here's one from Paul. All right, let me get let me get this. I'm gonna get get them here because I, I really would like to get caught up on these emails. Um, hi guys, uh, Paul from Manchester here. I would like to say I love the review of Thirty Six Precinct for episode one ninety nine. I've seen the film four or five times and love it, and pretty much agree with everything you said. Although I didn't feel like it was over long at all, but to each their own. Keep up the great work and what you're doing. It was also nice to hear my good friend James Lawrence, as he is now, used to be uh, another name, uh, have his email read out. I don't know if you're aware, but we work together and. He is how I found your show. He really is a true... Ge- I thought it was the other way around, but that's cool. No, I did know it was uh, this yeah. way, but yeah. uh, it is cool, and I did know they worked together. Yeah, I knew they worked together, but I thought Paul turned James on. I didn't know James turned Paul on. Well, he may turn him on. Yeah, but, uh, they, they both yeah. turned me on. Yeah, exactly. He really is a true... <laughs> he really is a true... Yeah, the Red Waffle. <laughs> <laughs> he really is a true gentleman, and work would have been very boring without having him here to shoot the shit about movies and football. I was honored to be invited for drinks after his wedding ceremony in Manchester, and he had Twin Peaks-themed cupcakes. He turned me yes. on to Twin Peaks. Me and Miriam are obsessed with it, and thanks to the great man. So this was a real treat. I'm also a huge fan of cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, Agreed. Know, Along with you guys, James has been the greatest influence on my film watching over the last few years, and I will watch anything he recommends, whether it be TV or cinema, although I cannot get into Grey's Anatomy at all. Ooh, that tells me. Ooh. Oh, he says that's a joke, by the way. He is back on Facebook now, which is also awesome. So I just want to give him some love on the air because being British, we do not show emotion. And I'm telling him this (laughs) and I'm not telling him this to his face. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Right. The other reason I'm emailing in and uh, it is and it has to do with episode 199 is to tell you guys to watch the French TV series. Bracquo? Bracquo? B-R-A-Q-U-O. Bracquo? I don't know. It is two seasons in here and the UK and has been shown on FX. It was created by, uh, oh, Olivier Marchal, although I'm not sure how many episodes he directed. I failed to draw attention to it by rambling on about the Facebook group, so hopefully this will be give it some attention it deserves. It is about a police unit strike team similar to that of Vic Mackey's in The Shield, but boy, is it so much better. They drink J&B and bang whores and are more corrupt. Ooh. Sounds like our kind of show. Each season is only eight episodes long, which that's... I don't know if I've told you this, but that's become my almost my criteria for TV now. Is like eight yeah. to twelve episode seasons. <laughs> yeah, I really I like those a lot more than the the American twenty six episode seasons that we get. 
Oh, I know. There's such a commitment. Each season is only eight episodes long. Uh, they have 40 minutes apiece. Both seasons available on Amazon.uk and Blue, standard DVD, fairly reasonable price. I know in particular Sammy watches a lot of TV, and I guarantee, I love that, that you both will be in love with this. First five minutes of episode one of season two has more bullet shot than the last Rambo movie in its entirety. Whoa, that's a, that's, 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 that's a, a statement. Order. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe a slight exaggeration, but there is still a hell of a lot of bullets. It has a great storyline, and I cannot rave about it enough, so check it out if you ever get a chance. Oh, also, whilst I'm in the Marshall starred and directed a film called Paris Lockdown, and you get and you get to see his Johnson. It is small. It's a fairly decent movie, but it's from a criminal angle rather than police. It is worth watching, but not mind-blowing. I love that he reviews uh, Marshall's Johnson in this female. It's awesome. It's, it's incredible. We don't get enough Johnson reviews. No. Anyway, guys, it's always a pleasure listening to you as, as you go from strength to strength. I've said many times before, you guys really are one of the highlights of my week, and I always look forward to each episode. Through the group, I have now have a Facebook timeline of great film content, posters, music, due to all the great people who have who I have as friends on Facebook who also listen to the show. It beats reading the ramblings of people I went to school with who I don't even speak to anymore, but I am friends with on Facebook for the hell of it. Regards, Paul. Awesome. It's always good to hear from Paul. Uh, always and yeah man that's why we get up when we do is because we have so many great people that love what we do I literally yeah I literally have one more email and we're all caught up on email so okay, here it goes now I'm, on, now I'm on my back looking up at the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. you've been God bless you you fine you, gentlemen reading you, these emails you've been you've been in that position before with me around <laughs> just hopefully not like that photo of the Tim yeah the power Someone bottom power bottom <laughs> anyway uh, this one's from Toronto Scott Uh, He was just listening to the show during a jog. I don't run for two hours, so I'm only partway through. (laughs) You were discussing Charles Lawton and his awesomeness in Island of Souls. I love the man, and I need to highly recommend The Big Clock. For my money, it is one of the most entertaining films of the 40s and still manages to bring suspense to this day. In my not-so-humble opinion, Lofton's Earl Genoth is one of the greatest villains in, wait for it, cinema history. He also has one of the most disgusting catfish mustaches in, wait for it, cinema history. (laughs) If you're ever looking for another bonkers early 30s jungle-based freak show, I recommend Congo from 32 starring Walter Houston as a sadistic paraplegic ivory dealer. Wow. It is shockingly racist and very mean-spirited. Most of while is, most of the while is spoiled by a Hollywood ending. I, I don't know what he's trying to say there. It must be seen to be believed. It is based on a play, which must be a crazy stage show, and was made as a silent film just a few years earlier as West of Zanzibar starring Lon Chaney Sr. I've seen, I don't think I've seen West of Zanzibar, but I'm aware of it. I'm aware of the Zanzibar Strip Club in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. You showed it to me. Yes. <laughs> Not, we didn't go in there, sadly, but no. you did show it to okay. me. A lot of folks prefer the Cheney version, but I've never seen it. I just love the stuff in the early 30s. is remarkable what kind of stuff they were putting on the big screen back then. Your horror coverage makes me want to tag along. Do you have a room for an aging lawyer and maybe his reluctant wife? Always. <laughs> Stay gold, Scott. Yeah, I've told him uh, I would really love for them to come sometime because uh, <coughs> it's not it's not all debauchery and insanity. Most sure. of the time, it's just great conversation and, and hanging out. And uh, it's just really great to put faces to the voices you listen to. Oh, and uh, trust me, if you go, you got friends for life, bro. All I would say for Cat's sanity <laughs> and Scott's well-being... I will advise her ahead of time to avoid looking at Loaf's iPad or his cell phone when he <laughs> wants to show you something. Yes. <laughs> if if a mustachioed man, a heavily mustachioed, be spectacled, cheese <laughs> smelling mustachioed man approaches you, if a hipster, 
<laughs> approaches you and he's carrying an iPad and he says, Hey, let me show you this. something. <laughs> we want to walk away. Run the other way as quick as you can. No, I love Loaf so much, man. Yeah, he's a great dude. Great. <laughs> he was he was very sadly Mr. Horahan. Oh, was he even my wife was like, Fuck man, I gotta meet the mustache. Yeah, he's a great dude, man. So yeah. it'd be great when he gets back to it and stuff. But you know, I admire the fact that he uh, he saw, he did that thing with his wife instead. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the crowd was a bunch of old women that were silent, <laughs> but, you know. Including him. Including him, yeah. <laughs> that is all of our email. We are now caught up on email. We are strictly voicemail right now. So that's nice. that's actually a good feeling because uh, we were starting to back up. Some of those emails from way back, so like mid-July. Yeah. So. We're getting there. And the feedback might come back to the show on a weekly basis if we ever get caught up, guys. We're just trying to get caught up from our having babies and and all the craziness we went through for so long uh, that yeah. we've managed to put a show out every week. I still It still blows my mind. Oh, God. It's dedication, man, to each other and to the show and the community. It's is it dedication or is it insanity? <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. All right. Uh, so that is the big show. Do you uh, <laughs> want to do pleasantries or do you want to... <laughs> We had an idea crazy enough, it just might work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can do pleasantries. I I can see it with Okay, so uh, Dave kinda of replied back too, by the way, about the Thomas Jane thing. So. About uh, he just wants oh, to find oh, oh, we're gonna right. final we're gonna finalize a date. I think we got a date finalized, I think. Okay. Um check out Sylvan Gold Show Show. OTC Hammerkiss podcast with honor and humanity. Sin Awesome and the Hopeful Romantics and shows from the Skeleton Closet. Yeah. Action Attraction, Married with Clickers, Glee Cast, Paleo Cinema, Family Movie Night, Podcast on Fire, 35mm Heroes, Chin Circle vs. Bunner, NOTLP, The Big Red Podcast, Better in the Dark, V Cinema, The Criterion Cast, Projection Booth, Mondo Film, Love That Album, uh, movie matchup. I don't know if it's going on still. Yeah, I don't know if it is either or not. I don't. I don't know. We we need to add uh, the good, the bad, the odd podcast to that, and because uh, I am friends with Mark, and then uh, also I'd like to add uh, Gorepress Gorecast back because it is back. Good. Yeah, they're back for a little while, so maybe. Um, fuck, I don't have a pen handy right now. Well, that's okay. I'm adding it right now. So okay. I mean, just saying this time, but next time around, hopefully we'll mention. It. Maybe next time around, I'll play the promos that they gave me that I didn't download. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, a manicated pony, trick or treat radio. And of course, you go parasimon.net, nightmaretheater.blip.tv. We are Young Monster. Uh, if Nick's listening to this, I believe he's getting married and he's in Hawaii either this week or next. So enjoy. Congratulations from Sammy and I. Uh, Teleport.shitty.com. Did I mention Cinema Gun? Oh, that's coming up. Uh, Siamese Royalty, of course, uh, is Aaron's band. So check them out at yes. uh, deathrattle.net, I think. <laughs> uh, the GG, these are all .blogspot.com. The GGTMC group where Pupkin Speaks. Chuck Norris. No, yeah, Chuck Norris. My baby, Deadly Doll's House. Fist of Beat Lists. Cinema Gonzo. Playground of Doom. What's that say? I don't know. Ochambara Spurt. Of course, Paul Taggart's great blog. Um, scared Shiftless and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter. Wax Mask, Greg throwing down the Italo Disco. He's got a great eclectic music blog. The guy knows his stuff. Uh, Oily Maniac, The Death Rattle, LightningBugsLayer.com. 
Hero Never Dies, which my best Hong Kong films of all time list is coming up pretty soon. The Freaking Awesome Network, Feed My Ears, and of course, check out Diabolic DVD, cinema-de-bazaar, omg-entertainment.com, boulevardmovies.com. I'm going to golf in a moment, fighting it off, camera obscura, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, iTunes. I'm going to die. <laughs> All right. I uh, hope you uh, at some point today enjoy a cup of coffee in your mustache cup. I and, will be. Uh, I hope you feel better. And with so. that, I will say adios. I will say thank you for the kind words. Always a gentleman. And of course, adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 